Recorded on Ghana Country, Adelaide, South Australia, I'm Andy Leroy and this is That Entertainment Podcast. There's a lot of young people coming in there and they look at it and say, what, what is that? And they start dialing numbers and they, how does it work? <laughs> the four members have the number to it and they can call whenever they, they feel like it and someone will answer it and it's the one who's standing closest or the one who dares to pick up the phone when it's ringing. The, I tell you, I've seen it ringing and I've seen people hesitating. They don't dare to pick up the phone. That's Ingmarie Halling talking about the Ring Ring phone in the ABBA Museum in Stockholm, Sweden. She's the curator and creative director of the museum and underneath, well, that's the ABBA Museum Choir and they're all here in Adelaide at the moment and I got a sneak peek behind the scenes while they're in rehearsal for their Fringe show appearances over this coming weekend and a special appearance at a conference for the Equality Project here in Adelaide. I mean, I've been an ABBA fan for years, which you may or may not know, and, well, this is kind of how I felt leading up to the interview today. Here I am in the car park in Light Square in Adelaide, and it's almost time for me to go up to the media call for the ABBA Museum Choir, who are doing a little performance for the media today, and it's... I feel nervous and I feel excited because, you know, in my mind, in some small way, it brings me one degree of separation from the band members who I have adored my whole life and their music has touched my whole life because my earliest living memories of music include ABBA and how much I loved them and how much joy that music has brought me. And as a five-year-old, I so wanted to go to their concert in 1977 and obviously disappointed when mum said no. I can understand why, but there was always the hope of next time they came or the next album, and soon after, the album stopped happening and they never came back, and I felt such a sadness, and when the new music came, I had such joy, I had so many tears of joy when that music came out, because my uncles and aunties had returned and they were making new music just for me, and I'm sure that millions of fans felt exactly the same way, and that's the special connection that we have with ABBA, and it's such a delight, and I'm so, I feel so honoured to be here today, just in the presence of people like Ingmarie and the choir members and, and ABBA. I feel like I'm in the presence of royalty today. <laughs> no, you're not. The, the royalties are in Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much that I could explore as far as ABBA is concerned and um, I'm really grateful for the time you give me today because um, 1977 is when I actually unfortunately missed out on seeing the tour but you were here right in the thick of it. What's it like to come back to the, some of the places now and do what you're doing? It's a bit mind-blowing actually because if someone would have said to me then that you will be back here in 46 plus years with ABBA music, but doing something else, I would, you know, that's something you don't believe in. But here I am, and I enjoy it immensely, really. It's beautiful. Tell me a little bit about that journey, because you're the curator and the creative director for the ABBA Museum, so there is so much treasure to be seen there in that collection. How did that come about for you? Well, it started 77, 
actually. I mean, I s started out with ABBA, and uh, after these years with them, I did some other things. I produced a lot of TV and film. So doing museums was not on my bucket list, um, although I love to go to museums. But um, suddenly there was uh, th ideas of doing an ABBA museum in Stockholm, and then I was asked to curate it because I had a lot of stuff and a lot of ideas. And um, yeah, luckily for me, it turned out well. Does it kind of feel like that this journey for you has been just opportunities popping up almost out of nowhere? I'm thinking specifically about how you became involved in the tour in 1977, but now also with curating the museum. Does it kind of feel like that you didn't go out searching for these things but they came to you? Well it's also the fact that a lot of the people from that time is still my friends. Uh, some of them are gone but the ones that are still here is, is here to help me out with this quest that I have to all the time enhance the museum's storytelling. So, you know, now we're in the process of getting an old white costume that Benny had back in 75 that has never been seen before after that. So then you can start building a new set out of that. So it's storytelling in process the whole time. How do you go about finding these extra little bits and pieces? Like this costume that Benny wore, I'm assuming, has been tucked away somewhere in maybe somebody's private collection, for example? There's a lot of things tucked away in people's uh, basements and in boxes and things. And as soon as the museum came alive, then people start thinking, well, I have this, maybe you can have it or do something with it. So, And also the fact that I can call my friends, the musicians or the crew guys, and ask them, do you know about this or do you know where that piano went and things like that. So it's it's like laying a puzzle. It's very, very fun. Yeah, I imagine it would be. I've actually brought along my own little treasure today. This is from the era. It's one of the original badges that would have been in the merchandise at the time. So I actually came across this in a box when I was moving recently into a new space in my home. And it sits on my desk now and I can look at the four of them every day while I'm working. So are these the sorts of stories that come out with the things that you find? Absolutely. And we, we use the social media a lot to go out to people and ask them if they have a collection. Many of them have collections tucked away because, you know, they have families and home and it doesn't really fit in the <laughs> in the apartment on the, or the house. And we tell them to, you can donate it to us. We can't buy everything, but we are happy to have it donated to us. And in return, you get to come every year and um, be on special occasions and stuff like that. This is a nice badge. Dancing Queen one. Thank you. I love it. Actually, Dancing Queen was my first record when I was turning five. My brother bought that for me as my first single. So ABBA has been in my consciousness really since the beginning of me listening and appreciating music. Are you finding that as the generations roll on that there is a different kind of experience with the fans that are coming along and finding them at later points in really the ABBA experience? Definitely, and I think the big breaking point was uh, the Mamma Mia! the musical. That was the big generation breaking point because then we started to see all these uh, young uh, girls and guys going to the theatre to see the musical. But obviously also this uh, erasure and all that that happened in the 80s had done a lot. I mean, if, if they would have just quit in 82 and not doing anything else, maybe 
we wouldn't be sitting here today. I'm really glad that we are and that they didn't because every year when I was about 11 or 12, I was hoping for that next album and that next album. And when they came out with Voyage, I'm probably not the first one to tell you this, but I cried when I heard it. <laughs> well, I cried too because hearing Frida especially sing that uh, song is just knocks me off my feet because it sounds so good. I mean, it's like a matured wine. It is. And I don't know what exactly led to the tears because over so many years, I'd heard Benny say, look, we don't really want to tour again and we don't want to release anything new because what if the fans don't like it? What if we spoil it for them? And so I guess maybe having that first listen, I was a little bit scared on his behalf. But when I heard how good it was, I actually cried through the whole album. Nice. Nice, I tell him that. No, but the thing is that if you knew Benny, you, you would know that he does not do anything that is not good. That's a trademark of his. So, I mean, they didn't do the album just out of that. They did the album uh, or, or the, f the first songs to accompany this voyage project. And then they realized when they were in the studio doing that, that, hey, this is as fun today as it was then. So let's do any, some more while we're at it. I would love for them to do some more, and I'm sure millions of fans would as well, but I'm not going to ask the question because I'm sure it gets asked all the time. But um, what does it feel like when somebody comes to you and asks you what your favourite ABBA song is? Are you able to really kind of give a definitive answer on that? That's a good question, <laughs> really. No, the thing is... I. I don't really like that question, what is your favorite ABBA song? First of all, talking for myself, I wasn't an ABBA fan back in the day. I was uh, listening to Frank Zappa and Pink Floyd and Eagles and things like that. But I do love the ABBA music because it's well done, it's really good songwriting. Everything is good about it, it's just that I'm more of a rock and roll person still. It's difficult to say what, what is the favorite ABBA song. If someone is asking me what is your favorite Beatles song, I could not answer that because with music it's like this in my book. When you're sad one day, you listen to one song that sort of takes care of you. And if you're up and about and have going out for party or everything is hunky-dory, then you listen to something else that you feel is the right one. And every time you feel, oh, this is the best they've done. But next day you listen to another song and, no, this is the best one. So that is a, not a fair question. Yeah, no, I'm glad you agree with me because I couldn't actually quantify that myself. I feel like, you know, every day being the best day ever, every song I think that they've done is the best song ever every time I listen to it. In the car today, I was listening to Bang a Boomerang from the ABBA album, and I was singing along to that like I always have for the last 30-odd years. So I think that it's those connections of joy, I think, that, that bring us back to ABBA all the time. So I can go a period of, of days or months or whatever without listening to the music, but as soon as I do, it's like this massive hook that brings me right back and I'm listening again for months on end. Is that a common experience? Yes, absolutely. You're totally right. But it's, it's more between that happy feeling and that sad feeling. I mean, you have the whole melancholy specter when you listen to music. I, I think of uh, I Wonder, the song that Frida does uh, so fantastic. I don't get sad or don't get happy, but I get a melancholy feeling because it's... The text that Bjorn wrote for the song is so 
good for so many people leaving their homes and trying out the life in the big city and things like that. I think that's also one of the incredible things about the songs. It, it, it's often kind of almost brushed off by some people as pop music. And to me, is a big fan. It's much more than that because the music can sound so happy and joyful and yet sometimes if you actually listen to the lyrics it's actually the opposite to that in the song. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I mean, pop music, what is that? Popular music. I mean, that contains so much. Uh, you can't say that Michael Jackson is bad just because it's pop music. It's in the eyes of the beholder. It's popular for a reason, right? Yeah, it's popular for a reason, yeah. Can you tell me, as the curator of the, of the museum, can you tell me what is the most unusual piece that you've got in the collection that you enjoy going back and revisiting? Obviously, it should be the Waterloo costumes. I think, because, I mean, 74 was the big break year, even though they existed before 74, but still to see these outfits and knowing what they actually meant for the success, because they decided, when, when they took the decision to go into that competition, they said, let's do something that no one has heard before or seen before in costumes and the music. It should be some kind of up-tempo, fun music. And uh, they came up with these glam rock outfits that is one-off. So uh, they really made a mark of themselves. And especially if you look at the footage from that time, you see the audience sitting there in their tuxedos and black dresses are very politely like this, applauding, and suddenly this crazy four Swedes come on stage in these glam rock outfits doing an up-tempo song. That wasn't really what it was at that time. So they did something good there and, and that's why I think this costume stands for, for more in storytelling than just being the four outfits. I know that um, my friends and I were certainly very jealous of them having their little pussycat t-shirts at the time and everybody wanted one. So it's certainly like the, the, the images are emblazoned on our memories because of how unique they are. So the choir is the new leaf in the Abba family trees. So how do they fit into the day-to-day -day in the museum? The choir started out as a much larger group than it is today. And... Um, I said to them that we need to decrease the numbers of persons because it's, it's not so easy to handle uh, a large choir if you want to go around. So that was one thing. We decreased it and also made sure that every song that they sing is arranged by this guy, Jöran Arnberg, who is Benny's um, buddy when it comes to arranging music. So you can actually hear that it's Benny's musical soul in the arrangement, but it's not him who has done it. It's Jöran. But Jöran knows exactly what Benny wants, and he's also the guy who did the arrangements for Abba Voyage. So we are very proud, obviously, of this choir. It sounds, as you will here amazing really amazing and they do events and corporate events and uh, concerts at other museums and uh, some years ago we were in China at the Swedish embassy doing a corporate event there for the Swedish brands IKEA and uh, Volvo and things like that. We have an IKEA here as well so maybe you can pop up there and give a little impromptu. Go talk to them <laughs> <laughs> and also the fact that we are here is we have to remember that it's because of Better Together, because if that wouldn't have been the case, we wouldn't be here. So it's, it's really something to be mentioned. 
That was definitely something on my mind, and I was actually going to ask at one point, you know, why Adelaide and and why Australia in in this context now? Because the Adelaide Fringe is where you'll be giving a couple of your performances, and you'll be speaking there, and looking forward to seeing that. So, Jason Twazon McShane, CEO of the Equality Project. Oh, this is quite the coup for the Equality Project, but also for Adelaide having a part of the ABBA family come across and perform for us. How did you do it? Everything comes down to relationship and uh, Ingmarie and I met in 2010 when ABBA World came to Melbourne and then I went off to Sydney and we've just had the idea for quite a while and the opportunity came with our national conference here in Adelaide. We've got almost a thousand people coming this weekend to the convention centre uh, to have something that was going to be nourishing and, and bring comfort to the crowd and Benny said um, once in an interview, our music or music should bring comfort. And me being a big ABBA fan, like yourself, my first single was Dancing Queen. I used to get an ABBA album every Christmas from my mum. And um, we, it was just a really good fit. And so we've had conversations and we are together last year in Sweden. And it all came together and we pulled it off. And they're here and they're fantastic. And uh, both at the conference and on four Fringe Festival performances, people can get to hear for themselves these arrangements including three songs from the new album, so Don't Shut Me Down and I Still Have Faith in You and Ode to Freedom, and all the hits. Um, it's just a really, I've heard the rehearsals and it's, I can't wait. You know, I had like a bit of a, a funny ABBA fan moment at one point and I actually rewrote the words to Ode to Freedom as Ode to Freedom, so. <laughs> it's hysterical. Um, well, I was pretty fortunate because the opening song for the Better Together conference is I Still Have Faith in You, and they performed that to me on my own the other day, and there was not a dry eye in the, in the room. And uh, it's the music is melancholy, it is joy, it is pain, um, and it's um, us queer people have loved ABBA from the start. And uh, my mum must have known somehow by giving me Dancing Queen as my first single that somehow um, that was the path I was on and um, I couldn't be happier as an ABBA fan and also as a Quality Project CEO to have this choir here as the cream and the cherry on top of what is an incredible conference coming up. I couldn't agree more with the connection that the community has with the group. What, what do you think it is about that connection? Because they are not overtly LGBTIQA plus in anything they do, but I think, is it the, the costumes that we've kind of embraced as some kind of camp connection or I don't know for me personally it's not because of that connection at all I've loved them since I was five years old before I even thought about my sexuality so what is it for you that connected you to them it's the best part of my childhood it's the one good thing that happened through my childhood so that's part of it for me personally but I think the um the idea of pride which is actually joy and pain together the music captures that and it is good music. Frida and Yetta are good singers and Benny and Bjorn are good writers and composers and the four of them together, ironically, are, are better than they were as individual stars before ABBA, but together they are um, extraordinary and, and the conference is actually about how together we are better and I just feel like they model that. A small group of people, they're a small organisation actually, you know, it's not, there aren't a it's not this big corporation, it's a group of people who trust each other and care about each other. And to think that, you know, after 40 years, in their 70s, they write as good an album as they've written in their whole career. And in fact, Benny said his favourite song of all time is I Still Have Faith In You. And I agree, I think it's a masterpiece. And I, to think that in their 70s, together they felt that they could contribute something, and not just something average, something excellent, is amazing. And I think there's a lesson in that for all of us. 
our best work is not necessarily at any particular age either. Yeah, that's an interesting point actually because so much has been said as well as a part of this whole journey and this voyage that it's such a great show for positive ageing and you know none of us want to think of you know our idols getting older or us getting older but really as you say to be in their 70s producing something that surpasses in some ways what they produced 40 odd years ago is really just astounding in in the average mind. They got um, five Grammy nominations for this album and if you look at the nominations it has the people who are behind each song for example so Don't Shut Me Down was nominated for Song of the Year or whatever and there's just four of them and Bernard Lur, or I think was the other person. Every other song had like 150 people contributing to it. Extraordinary. You know, and I love the fact that they actually are their own genre. They don't actually care what other, they're glad that people like their music, but they're their own genre and nobody can sing them very well, except for the choir. <laughs> they actually can sing them very well. I've heard some interpretations of Don't Shut Me Down recently, not very good, but the choir nail it. So it's hard music to sing and it's hard to get into the, the soul of the music and the four of them together produce that and I'm, you know, I just, I think there's a lesson there for all of us. You've just affirmed for me why I shouldn't record myself in the shower singing, so I want to thank you for that. <laughs> no worries, nobody hears me sing either. Look, um, I guess my last question for you before we head down, because I'm stealing a good amount of your time here today, but um, what's the message you're hoping to take away from the event over the weekend? Look, individually we're good but collectively we are far superior. And in the rainbow communities, there's a lot of work to do for us to get the changes that we all crave. And this opportunity for 900 people from all over Australia and international guests to come together as like a human Petri dish and connect and form and, and grow and hopefully form new relationships and collaborate together, I think changes the world. And so that's what we hope. And the choir will um, open the conference as an act of comfort and nourishment and we'll close the conference with a full performance as an act of joy. I just want um, the world to be a slightly better place because of anything that we do and I think this weekend will contribute to that just a little bit. I'm sure it will and I thank you and I thank ABBA for being a part of this whole experience which is my life so um, best wishes for a great run. Thank you, it's a pleasure. I've got one more questioning, Marie, if I may. The ring ring phone in the museum, are the rumours true? Does it ring every now and then and one of the, the band members are on there? That's absolutely true. Uh, it's an old uh, dialogue called, it's called dialogue, the phone. And it's so fun to see it, it stands on a pillar and uh, there's a lot of young people coming in there and they look at it and say, what, what is that even? Uh, and they start dialing numbers and they, how does it work? <laughs> but, but mainly it's a Skype count in it. So uh, the four members have the number to it and they can call whenever they, ha they feel like it. And someone will answer it and it's you know the one who's standing closest or the one who dares to pick up the phone when it's ringing the, i tell you i've seen it ringing and i've seen people hesitating they don't dare to pick up the phone and one time when i saw it it was a, a guy he was like 16 or 17 or something he said i can do it and he picked up the phone and it was agneta who called and he was standing talking to her like for 10 minutes and very relaxed and just leaning towards the wall and answering her questions. It wasn't the opposite. <laughs> and afterwards I, I asked both them both, what did you talk about? Well, it was a private conversation, we can't tell you. That is so funny. I love it and I can't wait to get to Sweden over the next few years and actually sweat on that phone all day until it rings. So. A, last, a last thing that I need to say when you talked about this being 150 people 
maybe behind one hit song. Yeah, you can be that. But I still think that if I see this installation in the museum, the, the, the little hut, the writing hut, that we, we have the original furniture and everything there, and you see a piano that is out of tune, really, and a, a guitar, an acoustic guitar. That's what they needed to write these songs. You don't need all that that you need today. I don't say it's wrong what they do today. Absolutely not, because you live in your time and you do it by the means you have. But a good song comes out of something else than the techie stuff. I couldn't agree more. And um, I'm, I'm really grateful again for the time you've given me today. If Bjorn's looking for a guest for his podcast to find out why people cry when they hear I still have faith in you, then I'm up for it. But um, enjoy your trip, enjoy the performances, and, and thanks again for, for both of your time. Thank you very much for this and welcome to Stockholm. ABBA, the Museum Choir, have four performances across the Fringe Festival and they're happening on the 17th and 19th of February. So get in quick for your tickets. 6.30pm and 8.30pm on the 17th, then 1pm and 4pm on Sunday the 19th and they're performing at the Royalty Theatre, Angus Street, Adelaide. You're definitely going to be walking in and dancing out like this little dancing queen. And I know that you're going to want to go and grab your tickets really quickly for the shows because they're going to sell out. All the links and details you need are in the show notes. That Entertainment Podcast is a Welcome Change Media production. Bjorn, you haven't called me yet. I'm keen to tell you why I cry.